Welcome to Ride Home Reactions, the 20-minute show where we react to the movie we just saw. Why 20 minutes? Because that's how long it takes us to drive home. I'm David Els, video production guy for InTheCarMedia.com. And I am Jill Rogatti, theater lady from SoapAndRopeTheater.com. We saw a movie on our first date and liked talking about it together so much that we got married. Was it worth it? You decide! All right, we just saw The Death of Stalin. And on the count of three, we'll give our one to ten oh, rating. wait, hold on. Let me think. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, we are trying to figure out directions for the last yeah. five minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a very thoughtfully prepared answer from Jill. One, two, three, seven point five. 5. Why do I feel so badly about it? The movie? Yeah. Well, I struggled... I'm seeing five right now. I sure. I don't know. I struggled with feeling like I needed to recently have read all this history to Definitely. feel like I was included in, in on the joke. If you haven't seen this yet and are interested and you really want to enjoy it on multiple levels, brush up on your... Immediately post-Stalin Soviet Union history. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. I thought the writing was very good. Yeah, I... It was very clever. I uh, could tell that it was from the the cohort that produced In the Loop, Four Lions. Yeah, I guess sort of like... It's almost like a comedia or a farce. Definitely. Um, I'm directing comedia right now and I felt like the timing of I had a, a full day rehearsal earlier today and so it felt so yeah. similar the timing of it and the types of jokes that there were right felt like I've been doing it all day so yeah I think the problem was that they expected of their audience to be quite familiar with Soviet history and uh I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I had been. I think so, too. Because what I enjoyed in it was the bits. Mm-hmm. You know, during a meeting or... Please scan your ticket. Where do I put my ticket? Oh, scan the ticket. Please wait. Oh, my gosh, David. Why is it that... Is it usually that much money? How much is it? $35. Oh, no, it's not. Holy bananas. They raised their prices. Oh, we didn't get it vouched. That's why. Oh, well, oh well, too late. Uh, it was funny the choice to give them to just let everyone have their own accent, like uh, the actor. Yeah. So Steve Buscemi just spoke with an American accent. The majority <laughs> of the actors were British, yeah. so they spoke with a British accent. And then I think the part where it didn't work was um, the Russian actress who plays the pianist. She's actually Russian, and so I think they didn't want to have only one person speaking with a Russian accent. Oh. But whenever she says a Russian name, she says it perfectly in, like, in a Russian accent. But then she's speaking in an American accent otherwise. Oh, she was speaking in a, as an American? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh. It took me a little while to pick up on the fact that they all were Russians, but speaking... Yeah. Like, during the whole um, concert in the beginning, and the guy who's panicking right. <laughs> to get the copy of the concert, and they... 
messed that up. Um, he's British. The two people are British. And I just assumed that they were, like, British broadcast people right. who happened to be in Russia at the time. So I wish there was a way that they could have flagged that for the audience so that we weren't hung up on it. Right. There's a lot of... Uh different ways that movies do stuff like that to just make everyone speak with their best possible Russian accent or whatever accent is intended. And that could be very bad. Yeah. <laughs> or more creative way, but there was uh, I can't remember how well it was pulled off, but in the in, um, the Hunt for the Red October Sean Connery and his comrades are on the sub and they're speaking Russian and then the uh, camera zooms in on their on I think Sean Connery's mouth, and as he does that, as they do that, he starts speaking English. Oh, uh huh. And so then they're trying to tell the audience, "Don't worry, we're not going to make you read subtitles this whole movie. This is our transition." I had forgotten that they did that in that movie. Um, and then there's the I think the best way to do it, which is to hire actors who are <laughs> fluent in that language maybe are even from that country I think honestly I would have been fine as long as I had heard Stalin talk first right, and right. he wasn't speaking in a Russian accent right. then I would have not even blinked Right. so it was more just confusing because I was trying to say like okay where are we who are these people Yeah. why are they British <laughs> right I'm talking as if I was so frustrated by that I wasn't I yeah. just it just took a minute for me to catch it yeah, I certainly don't mind that they were doing their own accents. No. But it just needed to be telegraphed. If they were trying to do a drama, yeah. that would be one thing. <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> this yeah. is like gross exaggeration dumb. Yeah. I really loved the actress who played the daughter yeah. of Stalin. I thought she was great. And I know I know her. Too bad I don't know her name. <laughs> the guys who were doing the recording just felt like a funny little duo that you would see in like a British, you know, some sort of a British uh, farce. And then I think the movie, I finally understood the tone of the movie when um, Steve Buscemi and um, the chubbier guy, I can't remember his name, are like chest bumping (laughs) in slow motion. Yeah. That's when I'm like, oh, I, I can see now where this movie is headed. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a criticism that it took me that long to realize the type of comedy or the tone or if that that's perfectly fine that it took me until that moment to figure it out. I don't know. It didn't bother me, I guess. It could just be because I'm directing a comedy right now. So uh, and one that really requires a fast pace. And I think comedies often do, but you have to be careful not to just keep it a fast pace because then people kind of get lulled by the by the snappy pace of it and they stop listening. So you have to have it like start and stop and slow down and then pause all of a sudden and then pick up the pace again. So you have to do that a bit while keeping the pace going. And I, I, I want to say that this movie had a little bit of pacing issues uh-huh. um, in that regard, in that when they were having a it's almost like they wrote scenes independent of the movie you know it's like let's let's have this team write this scene and they came up with this great really funny progression that happens in that scene and then 
nobody took care about the space in between the next scene that was like that. It just felt um, detached or um, disjointed. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like I spent the whole movie being like, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> Oh, God, this movie's losing me. Uh, oh, I love this movie. Oh, this movie's losing me. I uh, feel like that, that's what I did. So to me, that suggests a little bit of a pacing problem. Yeah. And then the and the rest of it is what we said already of us maybe just it losing us because we don't know enough about <laughs> Russian yeah. history. When your audience doesn't understand what part is just creative license and what is... No, check your history books. All this actually happened. Because mm-hmm. I know that the, none of the dialogue actually happened because it was all ridiculous. <laughs> right. You know, the costumes and the production design all seemed very authentic. Mm-hmm. It seemed like great, very great care was taken to make yeah. that stuff look right. So it's fun to see that juxtaposition. But to, I think to truly be uh, struck by, you know... <laughs> Let's let's say genius, like the genius of the script. I would need to see it in contrast to a more dry history lesson mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. to understand sort of the commentary. Yeah. But you know, I of course get the general idea, which is that when you're going about causing a revolution, there aren't any rules anymore. You've you've thrown the rule book out, and then you just you end up turning into this infantile, primal, paranoid shadow of a human being yeah it's it's so uh devoid of any kind of good parts of humanity i appreciated that the movie basically stuck to the more immature side of what it means when you throw away all structure mm-hmm. and try to start afresh david do you think there's a reason that this specific movie was made for this specific time you know did the writer director producer whoever say yes now this time in our history is a good time for this screenplay to be yeah well written slash produced when we're recording this trump has fired most of his <laughs> uh, yeah staff. that's true yeah it's been a very high turnover rate and he hasn't to my knowledge executed anyone but in American politics, that kind of stuff has basically been happening. And there's always the threat that maybe he'll be dethroned by some latest yarn about his past transgressions. I'm, I'm sure behind the scenes there's been all kinds of stuff like happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, these weird alliances and it's just people reacting <laughs> out of fear and jealousy and uh-huh. desire for power. So it does definitely echo hard times right now yeah the that's a good observation of the firing all the firing that's been going on and and surrounding yourself with certain people and the longevity of that Mm. uh i here's a question i didn't understand when they um like pulled this hair off of stalin's head and were sawing into his skull. Yeah, I had no idea. I did that's not another, understand that. That's another example. It's almost like we should have known what was right. going on. That I, you know, maybe Jill and I are the only ones who don't know why they sawed into Stalin's head when he died. But if there's other people like us, that could certainly have that joke could have been set up better. Yeah. 
And then a few other times they keep they reference like sending his brain to America. Right. So, I think my favorite scene in the movie was the first time the committee meets to vote, and uh, people are making motions and then uh, voting. And there's one moment where one of the guys, I think it's Molotov, he is saying, on the one hand, Stalin would have wanted mm-hmm. us to be. Uh, loyal to his vision and then so you know people's hands go down but then on the other hand being loyal to his vision you know and the hands go up and down it's, yeah. that's a really fun game and it, I completely relate to that I I'm agree. sure anyone who's been in a meeting where voting has happened it's the same thing but to think about that with thousands and thousands of lives at stake <laughs> with like this this like really wishy-washy uh, decision making process is it's a wickedly funny situation. Yeah. And in the same scene, I loved when the um, the new kind of head of the committee Jeffrey is... Tambor. Yeah, and yeah. he's calling for, like, uh, you know, people are slowly raising their hand. He wants to move a motion, and Steve Buscemi is the most resistant, but there's clearly, like, grades of resistance, you know, so um, he always raises his hand first and, and says, you know, all in favor of whatever, and then slowly everybody starts to feel like pressured to do it and as they're slowly going up he goes and it passes unanimously (laughs) (laughs) as the hands are slowly going up (laughs) so that I thought was a great little like microcosm of that type of a (laughs) so if every scene if every scene was that on point this would have been a 10 for me Um, but unfortunately it just wasn't quite as Consistent. There were lots of scenes that got tens, but well, but here's something I gave a ten to, Uncle Johnny, Johnny and his niece <laughs> coming into the show to the movie just as it's starting. His niece is like thirteen, yeah, twelve. Not the type of age I would expect to see wanting to go to this movie. <laughs> Try it's a sold out movie. It looked like. Trying to find seats. <laughs> Clearly, there were no seats together. Talking at full volume, he sends his niece down a row saying, Go sit in that seat in that row in the middle. <laughs> Jill is sitting there. I am sitting there. She's like bumping past everybody and in full viol- volume is going, Uncle Johnny, Uncle Johnny, there are no seats. Uncle Johnny, where did you <laughs> want me to sit, Uncle Johnny? <laughs> He's like, Oh. Oh, I guess there isn't a seat there. Like, this is full volume. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, what should I do? Uh, I think there's another seat over here. I'll sit in this one. You go. And then she finally found one. It was very, I'll just sit here. It was funny. That was a good scene, too. That should have been in the movie. That should have, definitely should have been in the movie. Well, let's reevaluate. All right. Um, I'm definitely going up. I I enjoyed the... The scenes that were funny were so well crafted. I am insulting them by giving it a five. So I will I will go up to a six point five. I'm gonna stay at seven point five. Alright. We are not home. We're, we're just getting gas. filling our car up with gas. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.